0: Today's parable in the gospel is a pretty famous one. The Pharisee and the tax collector in the temple at prayer. And Luke, the gospel writer, indicates to us prior about how this parable reveals the error of some who were concerned of their own righteousness and in spite of that despised others. And so the, the Pharisee is accused of pride. And um, sometimes we've got to really see he's really accused of sinful pride because it's important for us to be proud of what we are able to accomplish, especially when it's in Christ. We're proud of our children. We're proud of our city. We're proud of what when things actually work, when people do things. We want to be proud. And so the sinful pride of the Pharisee in this account is more like arrogance, isn't it? Kind of looking down your nose. And what's he doing? You see, it's kind of like a circular. He's praying. What does it say? And he spoke this prayer to himself. So you see a difference there with the tax collector, huh? Kind of like a circularity convincing himself you know jesus is concerned with that sinful pride that can rise up in us and i'll talk about that in a few minutes but we got to remember one thing not all pharisees were like this guy most pharisees were humble people they were concerned with helping the people to to live a life of righteousness according to the law of Moses. And they were almost like in the good old days, you know, the parish priests, the people who would um, go to them for advice, check things out, what's going on in their themselves, in their families, etc. So for the people who are listening to Jesus, this parable would be a bit of a shock Because in their culture, in first-century Palestine, the Pharisees were rock stars. They were the people that guided things. They were esteemed. They were set apart from sin to help lead the people to God. Now, some of them became rigid, and Jesus kind of really challenged them. Let's get to the core of the law, right? Tax collectors, on the other hand, they're like, uh, like drug kingpins. They were assumed to be like mob bosses. So here, Jesus is telling the parable and setting everything up nice. There's a Pharisee and a tax collector. And the people are assuming that the Pharisee is going to be praying in a beautiful way, and the tax collector, what the heck? And Jesus turns the tables... In the Pharisees' prayer, I thank thee that I am not like other people, the extortioners, adulterers, or or even like this tax collector. He's looking around, comparing, isn't he? He's making these uh, divisions. There's almost loathing in his voice. He was so confident that his tithing and fasting and prayer would make him truly righteous in god's sight when you hear that alms giving prayer and fasting what does that remind you of the lenten disciplines huh? and the lenten disciplines are there what to call us back to pull us away from what um what we think of uh, uh, in terms of accumulating honors or even things you know what what matters when you get to heaven Is not what you accumulated, it's what you gave away and the spirit with which you gave it away, right? So the, here's the, here's the contrast. And we have the tax collector beating his breasts. God be merciful to me, a sinner. The Pharisee compares himself to others. He's looking around. I'm so much better but the tax collector already knows his goose is cooked. All he can do is turn himself over to the mercy of God and please God by grace that he can change him around. Our first reading from the book of the wisdom of Jesus Ben Sirach speaks of someone poor and dispossessed, perhaps, as mentioned, a widow or an orphan, In humility, the crying out to God for for justice, calling to just be heard. Isn't that what most of us want? And isn't that something that so few people actually experience in their life? How much more so that we act in God's stead and listen to each other, hear one another, beginning in our families, maybe beginning with ourselves beginning in so many ways to understand how god hears the cry of the poor and the poor are the ones who who know that they're they're at the the end and that they whatever they receive they're grateful when we receive forgiveness, are we grateful? When we receive someone's attention, are we grateful? When we receive acknowledgement for work we've done, charitable actions, not that we do it for that reason, we're grateful. We're lifted up in a certain way. But we got to be ready to, to give and to take. And it's possible did you hear the second reading here? This is very special, a special reading. You might want to look it over later. It's at the end of Second Timothy. And Paul is telling us that hes he knows he's imprisoned in Rome. And this is possibly the, the, the last things that he, he will write. And he's writing to Timothy, who was a younger person that Paul brought into faith. And we hear in another reading that where Paul laid hands on Timothy. That means he was ordained. You always see the the bishop when there's an ordination. It's the laying on of hands, the passing of authority, the authority of Jesus to this minister of the gospel, this deacon or this priest or fellow bishop. And here Paul says, you know, I've been poured out like a libation. In the ancient world, among the, the, the Romans, the libation came at the end of a meal. And it was like the last bit of the wine, they pour it at the end, it means it's consummated. And the Jews picked up a bit of that where they would take uh, the wine and at the end of services, wine and oil would be poured on the altar of sacrifice. It's consummated. And here, Paul, at the end of his journey, is looking back and he's pouring out his he's seeing that his life is being poured out as a libation. It's the the end of the line in a sense and the beginning of freshness. He looks back and he he, he, you know Paul was a tough guy and so he uses uh, competitive athletic terms. I fought the good fight. I've run Run the um, and finish the race. He said, "Me, I, and others who have done so, receive the crown of righteousness." In the next phrase, he talks about the lions. Uh, he uses the imagery of a lion, and you know that Christians knew the force of the lion. They were thrown to the the lions in the amphitheater by Nero. And Paul now is awaiting his fate. But he does not await that empty, for he knows that he has received the crown and that he's entering in Christ completely as he leaves us mortal life to enter into Christ and God's glory. You know, translating things for ourselves, when we come to listen to the story of the Pharisee and, uh, um, and his uh, turned in on himself, his judging of others. I think it's good, you know, a lot of times, especially around, uh, you know, Lent, you have your, um, your penitential services and people come and, you know, one of the first thing people get off, is of, God, Father, I, I just gossip so much. I don't know why I gossip so much. And this is men and women. Don't, don't think there's anything, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I try, I try, I try. But what are you doing when you're gossiping? You're making comparisons, aren't you? She shouldn't wear that dress. He shouldn't wear those shorts. <laughs> you're making judgment calls. And we do it right and left. We make it about other people and we even make it about ourselves, don't we? What an idiot I was. What a dummy. You know, we're, we're just like this Pharisee in so many ways making judgments according to our standards. In fact, a lot of times you'd never treat anyone else like you treat yourself. <laughs> but you know, wouldn't it be something different if like, we were all like the tax collector. You know, my goose is cooked. I need to change. Only one can help me. When we have ourselves and our lives, like St. Paul, looking back on his life, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. You know, he, he was beaten, he was, but he continued to preach. He was left for dead, remember, in Philippi. And he got back. He went right back. for us why can't we fight the good fight by giving up on judgmentalism use a red flag imagery whenever we make a comparison that guy's a jerk driving that <laughs> that speed on the freeway he cut me off stop immediately stop yourself you don't know they're going to the hospital or something anytime you make a judgment well goodness you know look at that hair stop. Whenever someone's talking, you say, what a dummy. Stop. You want to say, eh, don't. Whenever you're about to say something about yourself, God, you're so dumb. Stop. Red flag, red flag it. You know, I found that to be some pretty good advice because it was given to me once. And you can control your thoughts. Cognitive psychologists here, stand up and preach. We can change, we can change, and by grace in prayer. Then you start feeding your prayer life, because your attitude's gonna change. You know, I think uh, as we come through, as we enter into November, our thoughts turn to the last things, that we all have a journey and we're entering into Christ. But let us be attentive that we enter into Christ with honorable hearts. It's not how much we accumulate, it's what we give, and the spirit with which we give. And isn't it something if we can be willing to give the hardness of our hearts and let God truly, as Ezekiel prophesies, Give us human hearts to be careful for each other. Let's think about that as we continue in this crazy election season. Vote well. Do vote. Be attentive. What kind of country do we want? Who do we want to be known as, as a people? Amen.